0: Hi, I'm Mark Groves. I'm a human connection specialist and founder of Create the Love. At an early point in my life, I became obsessed with understanding relationships, the intricacies of how people connect. And through this exploration, I have created a life and a business dedicated to learning out loud and exploring how we interact with each other and the world. This podcast brings the world's top thought leaders, spiritual luminaries, physicians, scientists, researchers, best-selling authors, and health and wellness experts under one roof to discuss the good, the bad, the messy, and of course, the beautiful parts of the human experience. Welcome to the Mark Groves Podcast. I can't wait to dive in with you. you. As you know, I eliminated the use of caffeine and now I've reintroduced it just a little bit in me choosing how it participates in my life, which I like being in control of my relationship with any substance that stimulates me in my mind. And add to that that I really wanted to find something that allowed my brain to perform at its best possible level. I'm in conversations all the time. I'm recording videos. I'm doing podcasts. And so I need to be at the highest performance I can possibly be. So I've been exploring things like nootropics and adaptogens, and and recently just brought on board Cured Nutrition. I absolutely love this company. I love its origin story. It's fully aligned with my values and the integrity to which I want to live by. The product that I love is called Rise, and it's a nootropic that's formulated by their in-house clinical herbalist, and it contains a blend of lion's mane and cordyceps mushrooms, rhodiola, ginseng, and a broad-spectrum CBD. I love this product. It has allowed me to have greater mental clarity and performance. There's no caffeine in it, so in that time of that midday coffee, I don't have to take it. You get no jitters, you get no crash, and you're getting those functional mushrooms, the adaptogens, and the cannabinoids, and it leaves your brain on fire and your to-do list just gets crushed. So this company, as I mentioned, I love, and they are extending an exclusive offer to you, my listeners. You can go grab Rise and any of their other products for 20% off. Just go to www.curednutrition.com slash create the love and you use the code create the love at checkout. Once again, that's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash create the love and use the code create the love at checkout to save 20%. Remember that product is called Rise and it is incredible. For you listening, you might know Violetta as the the brilliant creative behind daddy issues the hilarious instagram account that i mean it just pokes fun at the ridiculousness of life but also i just love how you connect so many dots and your um, your meme creation game like i'm not a meme creator i'm not good at that and i wouldn't even try to become good at it but when i see you come out with a fresh meme from a new thing i'm like
1: damn you're so funny. Thank you. I mean, I don't make all of them. I think when I when I first started my account, I tried to make all of them. Then it was like me making less and less and then me curating memes from other um, creators. And then the main thing that people focus on would be my captions underneath because they felt like they got a meme joke and they got a caption joke. Right. So that was kind of my thing being like the caption queen. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, because so it saying. blew up. And you're also a comedian and you're the host of Almost Adulting. So you got yes. a lot of hats.
1: Which was recently called Too Tied to be Crazy, but I just yeah. changed the name of my podcast two months ago to Almost Adulting because I decided it was time to change it.
0: Yeah, well, I love the new title because, I mean, I feel like we're always chasing the experience of adulting, but adulting also is uh, hard. It It is it's hard. It requires responsibility yeah. and all the things. What inspired the change?
1: Um, well, A, I'm really all about energy and things like that. Maybe it's because I live in LA and it's like part of living in LA, you have to drink green juice and have crystals in your house. <laughs> but uh, I thought you so said in I'm your I'm ass.
0: Like, <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
1: ass. <laughs> yes, it's my accent. But you have, um, um, I didn't like the fact that even though I, it, it was called too tired to be crazy. I didn't like the notion that me and my listeners kept using the word crazy in our vocabulary because Uh, I don't like when we call ourselves crazy, you know, cause every time, you, you know, if you're emotional or you're angry, you're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm being crazy. Like, no, you're being a human being. So I didn't like the fact that we kept, putting that word into our bodies because I genuinely believe that it's everything you consume, not just the food you eat, not just the people that are around you. It's also the words you that come out of your mouth. So that was one of my main reasons why I decided to kind of let that word go and go for something a little shorter and more chill because I think, like like you said, any age we're in, we're always still trying to kind of adult and figure it out.
0: So Yeah. I'm curious. Like what is the origin story of why you're so curious about relationships and also just the origin story of what inspired you to create daddy issues? And like, cause it's grown so much. I mean, it's massive account, but then also you've done so much through that transformation. So yeah, I'm curious.
1: Um, I love that you're asking that because I actually recently, um, well on my, an episode that just came out. That's a solo episode. I kind of discussed briefly daddy issues where I ran into someone else. That's an immigrant like me and a, a lot of foreign people. Um, I don't know how to explain foreign or out of America. A lot of times we have different relationships with our parents. A lot of times, like the girl I was talking to, she's French. Her name's Clara and I'm Russian. And our parents, the way we were raised, our parents were very cold. So it was kind of cool to, to revisit that thought of, of how, of how, how far I've come with my relationship with my father. So it is so funny. Daddy issues itself was created from my insecurities, and I never thought that account will grow. I was I was so lost in my accounting firm. I was constantly getting bullied. Like it was very serious bullying, not just like me attending. It's bullying. It was like HR was involved. It was very serious and I was very depressed. It was at a time, it was one of my lowest moments. And the sense of humor is what helped me find myself again. And I could relate to other people who were tagging their friends. So that was that. So that, that account itself literally created me again and helped me find myself for the first time That's in my beautiful. life. So that was like beautiful and amazing. Honestly, I'm like, so thankful for all of my followers. Cause they literally showed me that it's okay to not fit in You know, Mm. and then after that, the reason I started to get into um, wanting to understand better human relationships was because I didn't grow up with that type of love with my father and I didn't grow up with touch. My father and I, we didn't say I love you until our mid 20s, my mid 20s. Um, and we didn't hug until my mid 20s either. And it was only because I started it. And it was at one point um, after I started getting back my confidence and who I was through daddy issues that I started thinking about it. And I realized that you know what, I don't care anymore. And it sounds, I think it sounds weird for people who maybe never experienced this where the feeling of being rejected by one of your parents, but we all experienced that even since for much as a child without even realizing. Um, But cause I remember when I first moved to the US, I saw my American friend ask her dad for advice in front of me, casually discuss it. And I'm just watching it. Like, how are they having a casual conversation? <laughs> You're and like, Wait, then- this happens. Yeah. I was literally couldn't believe it. And then I was, I think 14, 15, um, no, I was 15. And then they hug each other and she goes, thanks dad. I love you. And I'm literally sitting there in shock. And then I go, wait, does this always like, do you guys do this all the time? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, this is normal to you. And she goes, what do you, which part? And I'm like, well, <laughs> all of it. Like you guys just say, I love you. Just like, it's nothing. And she goes, yeah. Cause I, well, I love him. So I'm going to say it. I'm like, and you guys just like, hug each other? Like, like, just like that. <laughs>
0: right. And she goes,
1: yeah. Do you not hug your dad? And I go, and literally as a 15 year old, it's so sad to think about, but I went, well, no. Cause like, what if I try to hug him and he's like, ew, what are you doing? Get away from me. Like, that mm-hmm. would be my thought process. Cause we don't have that relationship. So it's weird. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, when I finally found myself, it was this epiphany that I said, you know what? I don't care anymore if, my dad rejects me. I don't care anymore if I feel rejected by my father. I'm not scared of that anymore because I finally had the confidence for the first time in my life I know who I am and if tomorrow my dad's gone I'm going to regret that I didn't tell him that I love him. Like I'm going to regret that I didn't hug him. So I just need him to know because I know deep down that like he loves me. He just shows it differently. I understand it now as an adult and I even talked about with that girl Clara who's French and I explained to her that at first it was hard. Like it, it didn't change overnight. Like it was me awkwardly trying to hug, hug my dad when I would, uh, see him somewhere. And when I said goodbye, we'll hug him. It was like, literally he cringed. I'm kind of like awkwardly trying to hug him, but I would do it. And, and then on every time we talked on the phone, uh, I would be like, wait, dad, hold on. And he's like, what? And I'm like, um, okay, I love you. And it's silence on the phone. And then he would just silence on the phone. Then he hangs up, but like, at least he waited. Cause he, he mm-hmm. was shocked. And then like (laughs) I do a few times and then eventually my dad would be like, "Uh, me too. And then eventually my dad started going, I love you too. And then now we're at a point in our lives where I don't even have to say it first. Like when we talk on the phone, my dad's like, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. And I'll be like, oh my God, this is so cool. And I've only had this for seven, eight years. So it's still for me, it's very fresh.
0: Yeah, that's it's you give so much context to the idea that if we no matter what our childhood was like, if we have no, we have no thing to relate to like the ability to see, wait, hugging's normal, compassion's normal, safe communication, like all these things that if you're, if you experience them, you likely take them for granted possibly till you meet someone who's like, wait, you hug your dad and being like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hug him? You know, (laughs) like there's, you're just speaking to so much relativity that's required because I think often we don't value what we have because we have it. And the other side is we don't realize how much just by us changing our side, we can actually, if the other person is open to it, we can transform that relationship. And I've certainly experienced that just in communication with my parents. Like I've gotten so much better at communicating that I started to bring that to our conversations and conflict and they've gotten so much better at it too, just through the mutual desire to do that. And yeah. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts and on that?
1: My friend, she, yeah. Cause my friend, she said, well, it's not fair. Why should we be the ones to change the behavior? Like why couldn't our parents? And I was like, Hey, I'm like, this is where we get all wrong. This is part of, even the word almost adulting. We, as children, or even as adults, we forget that our parents are humans just like us. They don't have all the answers. And when we eventually become parents, we also learn we don't have all the answers. So eventually you have to wipe away the image that you have of your parent, that your parents are heroes. They're not. They're going to disappoint you. And once Mm -hmm. you realize that they're humans, you accept the fact that they let you down and you know that they did their best. Like, I know my dad showed his love the best way he can. And like, I know he feels bad that he couldn't give me a type of love that like I need as a child. But like the fact, the fact that I was able to now change the cycle as an adult, that means I'll be able to be different with my kids and it's yeah. okay to it have to start with me. I'm very happy that Elisa did. And the, the, whatever years that my parents have left on this earth, now I'm, we're able to have that type of relationship together.
0: Yeah. It's so, so. beautiful that, that idea though, you're right. The martyr, like, you know, I, why do I have to? Well, the, my, my fiance said this the other day that the, the person who has the highest, higher level of awareness in the relationship, it is their responsibility to steer it at the time. And oh, I, hate that. <laughs> I know I, I didn't like <laughs> it either because, and then I thought, well, which one between us has it right now? Cause uh, <laughs> do I have to take the, no, actually just by her saying that tells you who had it or has it. Um, but I think all relationships at some point when they sort of hit the edge of their possibility or their potential, and they keep expanding, you kind of play a leapfrog with the other person. You know, you have an awareness, you bring it to the relationship. And that, that, uh, that view, I remember the first time someone said to me that when you see your parents as the children of parents, then it gives you compassion because like for your father or for my father, you know, it's unlikely that male emotion was celebrated that saying I love you was a thing. And, and I know that different culture culturally, that's different too. Like I've, uh, one of my best friends is Swiss German and they're not big huggers. And so I remember I'd like hug his mom or dad, sorry, the dad and the dad be like, pat, pat, like, <laughs> uh, like, like a board. Yeah. Um, but it was just it's just so interesting to contextualize it through through culture.
1: But I think that's where also now with the current culture of like TikTok, I feel like everyone, everyone learns new words now on TikTok. And on TikTok now, like everyone's ex is a narcissist and everyone oh, yeah. else is the problem. And I think that also becomes a little toxic in itself because now we're sitting there and calling everyone else all these different names that were like, with narcissists is so popular now and like no you're very hot right a narcissist. now yeah maybe you're just not emotionally developed or maybe you guys weren't right for each other maybe right. you have things because people forget we are mirrors of one another so like when my father was emotionally unavailable guess who else was emotionally unavailable me guess who i was dating men who are emotionally unavailable because i'm i was one we were mm-hmm. attracting like people so when i sit there and listen to some of my friends being like oh my exes are narcissist, i'm looking at my friend like well have you thought of looking in the, like, hello? So I think that so that's the part of like, why do I need to do something? It's everyone else's fault. Sometimes it's up to you to be self-aware and it's up to you to decide. Every day you wake up and you say, is this enough for me? Mm-hmm. And every day, as long as it's enough for you, whatever relationships you currently have in your life, then it's okay. But if one day you wake up, like I woke up and I said, you know what? My, my relationship with my father is not enough for me. I'm going to fix it. So, if you wake up one day and you say, Whatever relationship I have with whomever is not enough for me, it's either you try to fix it, it's up to you, and you stop complaining and victimizing yourself. You just step up, or you let that relationship go because it's not working out for you anymore.
0: Amen. That's adulting. That's serious adulting. That's like, but it's amazing how liberating that is. Like the power of being the victim or the martyr is that you get to stay in your circumstances or stay in your patterns because they're not your responsibility. And what you're saying is, oh, actually, control, alt, delete. They are actually your responsibility. People probably don't understand control, alt, delete, because that's a pretty old computer reference. But actually <laughs> I know. I just had response. to
1: look in my laptop. As you said, That was like, control, Like, delete. What does that yeah.
0: to do anymore? <laughs> um, okay. So in the context of what you're saying too about TikTok or just this culture of pathologizing everything, giving a title to everything. And even in the face of, you know, you must face a barrage of comments, things, all this stuff. And I'm curious, how do you, because what I really admire about when I see your stories and see you speaking is you very much speak at the cost of whatever the feedback might be. And you're also really great at calling out stuff. I just love it. Like I saw <laughs> recently you're doing this. You're like, I think I'm going to start sharing when men t- message me inappropriate things <laughs> and take when they're in a picture with their girlfriend in their. And I was like, yeah, like this is the level of accountability.
1: Wait, yeah. that was on my close friends. So you saw something other people didn't. Saying, oh, but yeah okay, that sorry. was me making a joke no no I that was the joke because it's like the men some of the men that would dm me they leave their girlfriends and normally I used to just um I used to hide the names but now some of the messages are just so funny like the other day somebody dm me saying what color is your nipples and I was like that's really funny so I just Took a screenshot and posted it because because it's just sometimes it's just really funny and I'm they not must get a
0: barrage anymore. yeah they might it's like we're protecting them from the social consequences of and that's true of the internet right in a lot of ways because people can be anonymous they they don't have like if you said something like that to someone on the street you get punched in the face and you might go to jail you know like that's very real so the internet has really made it so people can hide behind their their keyboards or their screen names or whatever it might be and i'm wondering how do you manage to be so unapologetically self-expressed and also cuz you are compassionate too so how do you do yeah. both
1: I mean, it takes time. Obviously I have bad days. Like it's not always easy. When if I feel good about myself, then yes, I don't take it personally when anyone tries to attack me. I laugh it off or I look the other way. If I'm having a bad day, the first thing I'm going to notice is the mean comments and I'm going to feel the need to respond. And of course, the minute you say anything back, the person will always say, "Wow, the fact that you had the time to and you're like, "Okay, but you had the time. Like why do I have to be the bigger person?" It's sometimes it's annoying. So I hate that. <laughs> So I definitely had to kind of train myself to learn how to look the other way, because yes, it is very unfair, especially during the pandemic. People on the internet and celebrities have become more punching bags because people just assume, forget you're a real person and they're angry as they should be. The pandemic sucked. It's life still sucks till this day. And it's easier to take it out on people that have a following because you just believe like, well, you're supposed to take it. It's part of your, what you do for a living. No, we're not supposed to take it. We already work really hard to like entertain you. So it's, you know, maybe go to therapists. Instead of you know, <laughs> using me to be my bag, here's a, an idea. But I've learned now to kind of look the other way or sometimes I respond in compassionately and then the person always says, oh my God, I'm such a fan of yours. Like, I don't know you're going to respond. Like, like, sometimes it's the rudest things. It's not even telling me to kill myself. It's meaner by just making a comment, wow. let's say. No, killing myself doesn't even hurt my feelings anymore. It's, it's the messages when it's some, like the other day, some girl was like, why does your mouth move so weird? Why do you talk like that? And I go, oh, I have a speech impediment. And then she just felt like an asshole when she, when she said that because that's like literally something that I, I – really hard for me to – be able for me to fix. Yeah. um. And plus it's, it means that I'm like either autistic or some other type of disorder and that's why I have a speech impediment. So the minute I said that, then she was just like, oh, oh, my God. Well, like, I didn't think you would answer. And I actually think it's really endearing. No, wow. bitch. You said, what does your mouth move like that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. but I'm just like, and I just said, I don't know. I don't get what people what goes through someone's mind head when they message a stranger, that something like that. So yeah, you just have to let it go.
0: It's hard. Like I've certainly, I, I don't even get, I'm sure even 0.1% of the things you get. And I'm just like, sometimes I'm just like, wow, people on the internet, like you guys need a job. You need something else. You need therapy. You need, like it, it is true that there's like an unrestrained restrained part of people. I'm
1: yeah, You know what, what, are, what I do actually. What if someone? What? A lot of times, if I catch a mean comment, like really mean, what I do is I restrict them. So then I don't give them the satisfaction of responding, but also don't give them the satisfaction. Sometimes if they're really rude, like like creepy. If it's a male that's saying something very creepy to me, I'll block them. But except that I'll restrict them because when you restrict them, they can comment as much as they want on your social media posts and they'll give you the engagement, but no one will see their stuff ever. So they'll be hoping you'll interact with them. They'll be hoping someone else will agree with them, but no one ever will. And they'll never know why. And then eventually they'll give up. So Meanwhile, I mean, they're it's just shouting into call. a
0: cave. I'm in for the long run. I love it. I love it. I'm curious, what is is the greatest struggle that you see relationally in the people that follow you, follow your podcast?
1: The biggest struggle relationship-wise for the people that follow me and my listeners? um, Or maybe
0: just from your experience, too.
1: I think dating in general nowadays is hard. So I think it's... Well, I will tell you, I think in general, not just my listeners, even from my own experience, I think everyone thinks the hardest thing about dating is always finding a new partner. But I think the hardest part about dating is actually letting go of the wrong people. And I think a lot of us have that yeah. issue, especially with the pandemic. At that point, we got so isolated that you it would be too lonely to not have a partner. So I think a lot of us went back to people we previously didn't work out with or a lot of us um uh, oh were you smiling I'm like is that what happened yeah no I'm laughing
0: because there's like so many people who for sure like went back to an ex went back to like
1: yeah
0: below average like someone who didn't meet their standard but they like lowered their pandemic standard you know
1: when the when the pandemic first started I I try to go back to this guy that it didn't work out with I didn't even like him and I'm like should we (laughs) date again and he was just like you didn't even like me and I'm like But I feel like you're the one. He's like, I'm not. And I was like, are you sure?
0: (laughs) You should be dating.
1: He was like, "Uh, no. And I'm like, wow, got rejected by you. Cool. I didn't even want you. I'm just so lonely.
0: (laughs) I'm just the pandemic has made me want someone I didn't even want.
1: Literally, I was like, maybe I was wrong. Like, I I literally was like, I think you're the one. And he was like, I am definitely not.
0: (laughs) At least he had the discernment and communication to tell you like, nah,
1: I guess. I mean, I've. I don't. Most people normally communicate with me, and vice versa. When it's not working out, so yeah.
0: So the the not letting go of the people who are not the right fit is the greatest that is challenge. You harder. see, harder. I agree with yes. that. That's so hard to do because it means you have to enter the space of nobody.
1: Yeah, and you start to think, well, we've already spend so much time together it's 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 a few thoughts one it's well what if i let this person go and then they find someone else and then i'm alone that's not fair so it's like the not fair then yeah, the second one is what if i help them become better and then they're going to be better for someone else that's again not fair so now they're gonna oh be that
0: better. one like oh. i i help them personally grow and then they're going to be ready for somebody else i hear that one yeah a lot.
1: Th- those are, i should reap those rewards that's not fair And then the third one is, we've already been together for so long. I'm comfortable. This is all I know. I'd rather be miserable with someone than miserable alone. Oh, did I just rhyme?
0: (laughs) You did, you
1: did.
0: The one where people are pissed when someone, they break up with someone because the person's not meeting. They finally, you know, let go of the wrong person. And then every single thing they wanted from that person. They start to follow the highlight reel on Instagram and they're like, see, now they want kids. Now he's reading this or she's reading this book, or now they're blah, blah. They chose someone, right? Because often it's someone who wouldn't commit. And then they're like, now they're in a committed relationship. And it's like, yeah, that's actually the whole reason they didn't commit to you is because they didn't want to. I mean, that's hard Aww. for people to take, you know?
1: That is hard, but it also means they're A, they're doing you a favor, but B, Shit wrapped in gold is still shit that's wrapped in gold. So if that person didn't work on themselves when they were with you, it's very doubtful they're going to work on themselves when they're with someone else. They have to choose to work on themselves because they want to thinking, wanting someone to change for you. It's not only somewhat manipulative, but it also never works out mm-hmm. because that person will end up being resentful. If you made me wake up every morning at 6 a.m. to cycle with you, I will do it at first because, <laughs> you know, like I love have- sleeping with you and like I love the attention. But eventually I'm going to really hate you that you're making <laughs> me wake up every morning at 6 a.m. to cycle because I don't enjoy it. <laughs> so that means I'm doing something for you. No, I have to do it for me. So Amen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that, uh, the other one you said too, the fear of letting them go because we end up alone. Why do you think we have such a hard time being alone?
1: Um, I mean, that's a really good question. I think, well, I think, A, people don't like to be alone with their thoughts, but I think it is really wild to me. I love being alone. My problem is actually I'm alone too much, like, I have to do the opposite thing where I have to get used to being around people in order to date because I like being alone so much. But I think the reason people um, are afraid of being alone is sometimes they may not like what they see. And I think if you expect someone else to love you, then first you kind of have to figure out how to love yourself when you're by yourself. Because like, what does it say about you that you can't be alone with your own thoughts or you can't be alone with yourself? You don't like to hang out with yourself. How do you expect other people to want to hang out with you?
0: Yeah, especially if they tell you like, I really love you and you don't love yourself, you're not going to believe them. You know, like you're not going to deeply understand how they could if you haven't explored the parts of yourself that you may not like, even the behaviors that you may not like that you have.
1: Yeah, but it's also, you know, A, it's nice to have a partner or some to have a crush on someone, but also, you know, no matter how confident you are, I'm very confident. And I have those moments where it's kind of that fear like, what if my person is not out there? Like, what if I'm actually, this is just... I'm just meant to be alone. Like it is a normal fear. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. people get make, even um, my podcast um, manager the other day, when I told her how I was kind of mourning some guy where I was acting a little like insecure about it. She was like, wow, it's actually making me feel so much better. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, because you come off so confident. I just assume you don't act up over guys. I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm so pathetic over guys, like secretly Are you joking, <laughs> Like, please. But like, so, you know, I think that's one thing people don't realize they see something on the internet, people being confident and they don't realize like, no, we still, no matter how confident I am, I've, I still have, and no matter how much I love being alone, I still have moments where I'm kind of like, it would be nice to have someone here, but I don't want to call any of my exes. Cause I know I'm better tried off that. without yeah. that. Exactly. I've yeah. been there. I've seen that movie. It didn't work out
0: yeah the uh, <laughs> I'm just laughing like so much of the projection or idea that we have that social media has created it, I mean it's funny, but it's also sad that we like watch these highlight reels of people's lives. That's why part of my work has always been just sharing my own personal journey because I think we often don't humanize the people. That are on, you know, that have some sort of platform or voice that we might admire um, or might find insight in that we don't imagine that they have the same struggles as where, you know, like even if you become a master of relationship, whatever that even means, it doesn't mean you don't have conflict. It just means you, you, you navigate it differently. You navigate it more in a more healthy way.
1: Yeah. And I do think I've noticed as personally as someone that was so, well, actually last year, my whole podcast was revolved around dating and relationships. And all I was doing was reading so many dating books, so many relationship books, so many self-love books, watching so many TED talks. And it was so much information in my brain that It actually made me repulse of the the idea of dating because I was just so tired. All I was doing every day was talking and thinking about it and giving other people advice that I couldn't date anymore. And that was one of the reasons even I I changed the structure of my current podcast where every month I have a new topic. So I don't always as much as I love talking about dating relationships, it's still in me like I couldn't do it. So I think people don't realize that the people who do talk about a lot it, sometimes it can be harder for us to say, Hey, I go on a date within two seconds. I already know what's like the mommy <laughs> issues that this guy has. And I'm overly analyzing it, you know, Is so that a Instagram account as well. Mommy issues. I think someone has created it before, but it didn't go big. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's too bad. That's true. I actually feel the same way when I was single that I go on a date and I would know pretty soon, you know, I would know at least that I want to go on another date. And that's why I think shows like The Bachelor such bullshit because you're like 25 people. I'm like, I could get rid of 21 of them in the first day, you know,
1: <laughs> literally same. I'm like that too.
0: <laughs> I do think love is blind is really fascinating. Have you watched that?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I I do. I like that because I do. I fall in love with people on their personality and energy. I'm not attracted to p- people ever physically. So that's really hard for me in general. So I love the concept of love is blind. I I'm wish I could on it.
0: I mean, but- I fall in love with personality. I don't mean I don't, but may I, I'm definitely like have been in my younger, less mature times much more physically driven, and then like does the personality, you know, like it was I wasn't filtering my in my whole dating experience for the right well, things.
1: Yeah. Well, you shouldn't apologize for that. That's literally in your genes. Research shows yeah. that men are, it's about physical attraction in order to get sexually aroused. For females, it's about touch and how we feel in order to get sexually aroused. Hence why, hence why men normally, if there's no physical attraction, they'll be the most likely won't date the other person, no matter how close of friends they are. But for women, they can be not sexually attracted to a man who's a good friend of theirs but eventually they get used to him he's around he's a good friend and then suddenly they start dating is because now the woman's sexually attracted to him so it's like actual yeah. science and research
0: so i mean it also makes so much sense too. Yeah. that difference that difference in did you watch the latest season of love is blind no 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 offense to you love is blind but she hasn't watched it you didn't capture her for season two Anyways, the show, what I really loved about it was that I I didn't think that because I'd heard about season one. Like, oh, yeah, people fall in love in one week and they're dropping L-bombs like in a week. And I'm like, okay, this is like Red Flag 101. But when I watched it, I was like, wow.
1: They're stuck in a – it's different though. Like on these shows, they have no TV. They have no phone. Yeah. They're just stuck there in their thoughts. I would fall in love in a day.
0: I totally, like, when I watched it, I was like, okay, this is really... Because there's no physical materialism to, like, end the conversation before it begins. So it's really actually quite beautiful to watch.
1: Yeah, I love... I think it's beautiful to watch on Love is Blind because it has nothing to do with looks versus these other shows like The Bachelor or Too Hot to Handle. It was all about looks.
0: I mean, Too Hot to Handle is totally... It's just like... It was literally... It's just out the window but it i mean it's interesting like i think it's fascinating i think it's how they all get to is that that's the one where they all get to a place and then they're not allowed to hook up right
1: yeah and then they want to do it more because of that
0: yeah that absence makes the heart grow fonder that's definitely true like you can't they come to party and bang and then they're not allowed bang but they're allowed to party so that's tough
1: with the Bachelor. And with Love is Blind and shows like that that have nothing to do, it's more about dating, is A, you're in competition. So the competition makes you think you want the person more because you're competing so for someone's love. B, you're isolated. So it's either all these women and I – eventually – or men. Depends if you're bachelor bachelorette. And eventually you're sick of just seeing women. You want like testosterone, whatever, however you pronounce it, <laughs> around. Testosterone?
0: Yeah. Testosterone, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And then it's like – and then – if people, I think people a lot of times have made fun of people on The Bachelorette or the, on The Bachelor when they feel like they're in love, but you're literally isolated. So all day, you're either spending time with this person or you're just sitting thinking about that person because you have nothing else going on.
0: Yeah, I think the other fucked up part about The Bachelor or Bachelorette, one is you're right. The competition makes you go kind of bananas, you know, because you're like, I didn't even like this person, but I want to win. And- <laughs> it makes you go, if you're securely attached, if all of a sudden you're in a space where you're dating with 24 other people, you're going to get a little crazy. Like, where do I fit? they are going on dates with all these other people. Like it could take the most sane person and make them get a little, a little, uh, dysregulated, like get them a little, um, a little bananas. Now the other thought too, is They usually go on these dates that are like a helicopter flies them to a top of a fucking waterfall. And then they they have a five star chef making a meal while like a monkey's hanging. And like it's so ridiculous that it's like straight out of a dreamy movie that I'm like, who wouldn't fall in love at the top of they're not even driving their own cars, living in their own house.
1: Yeah. And exactly. Exactly. They're not, it's not the guy, it's not the guy's car. It's not the guy's date, but when you're on there, you're like, this is so romantic with this man. I can see all this romance with this man. You actually have no idea if the man is romantic or not.
0: Right. You have no clue. It's like the casting, the writers are like you should take her to this place and we're going to have all this setting and it's going to be amazing. All you have to do is wear this suit we gave you or this shirt and like it's it really takes away, if they had to plan their own date in their own hometown, I would like to see that, like where it's actually them, That because that would actually tell you a lot about the person, whoever's planning it.
1: Wait, what kind of attachment style am I, if my, the reason I wouldn't be able to go on these shows is because I'm the kind of person, if I'm like, okay, if you want to date this person, then you date them. I'm out. I don't need to be part of this. So like, that's kind of my thought. Well, that's process. pretty
0: secure. That's, oh, that's pretty secure because you're like. I'm not into the competition. Like you want to date them? Go do that. That's pretty secure.
1: The idea that (laughs) it's,
0: well, the idea about like taking, like appreciating our own time. Like it's harder for us to enter relationship than be alone. That can be more avoidant. That can be, it doesn't mean it is, but it can be.
1: I, okay. Here's a good example. And I should admit this because I'm calling myself out. But, I love it. For example, at one point I was watching TikToks and again they're like, Is the person you're dating a love bomber? And it's like every man now is either a narcissist or a love bomber. So suddenly <laughs> on my TikTok, I just saw nonstop men who love bomb, and the women are complaining about their love bombs. But all the TikToks I was seeing, I go, Oh my God, that sounds like me. And I was like, Oh shit, I didn't are you realize a love that bomber? I'm, are you just
0: realizing you're a love bomber?
1: Yeah. So seeing that, it made me realize, because I started thinking, I wonder what it's like, Maybe I wonder if people who date me feel unsafe. Like, that was really interesting for me. So I think it it felt like on TikTok, everyone was just, only men can do it. And I was like, whoa, I'm someone who reads about relationships. I talk about relationships, but I didn't, and I tried so hard to work on myself, yet here I am using some of these words that I was considered love bombing. And I'm not doing it on purpose, because I know when I'm in the moment when I see meet someone, I feel those emotions. And I'm so excited. I'm like, finally, like someone that I just can't help myself. And I'm like, you're so pretty. Like, I love how you, this, like, I really like you, because I feel those in the moments, and I can't stop myself. But then when I go home, I freak out, oh, my God, did I scare this person? Uh, is this really what I want? And then I'll say, wait, we should like, we should slow down. Like we should take a step back. But then two minutes later, I still like them. And I'm like, I wanted to maybe see. Yeah. How they were feeling.
0: I mean, that's more of a disorganized toxic. attachment style. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't call it toxic. Cause toxic's kind of okay. like the word crazy. You yeah. know, it's it. If we think about it from like a compassionate lens, it's just how we learned uh, or how we experienced detachment. So like it was hot and it was cold. It was given, it was taken. And so we just learned like, Hey, I I really love this. I'm really digging it. And so we're experiencing more of that excitement. And then when it gets too close or we realize what we've done, that's that avoidance where we're like, oh, I actually need a bit of distance. I'm not really. And that's classic avoidant lines. I remember when Kai and I were maybe going on, like preparing for our second, we were dating long distance. So preparing for the second hangout. And I remember saying, she was saying like, Oh, I'm really excited about this, this, and this. And I can't remember what it was, but I remember writing her back saying, Well, let's maybe just get past the second date. And like, (laughs) ugh, ugh. Like I I, I was in the face you're making, right? But that, I wrote her right after, and I I actually called her, I think. But I was like, I'm really sorry. That was me, like, trying to control the depth of our connection because I – and I was like, and that's me being avoidant. So I'm really sorry that I did that because you were sharing what you were excited about. And then I – just fucking put a total extinct fire extinguisher to any sort of connection.
1: And So if yeah. you said that to me, then my response would have been my automatic response, which is something I've been working on and I struggle with this. I would say, "Okay, you know what? Let's just not go at all." Like right, that would be right. my first thought, which I think makes me avoidant. So that's why to avoidant people it's hard for them to date or something. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, they're both running away from each other, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like anxious people love avoiding people because they're always chasing them, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's like,
0: if you think, I, I feel like it's so simple to think about it. Like anxious people are, are afraid of space and avoiding people are afraid of too much closeness, like where there's no space. And I used to be like that where I would get really close to someone. And then because I had attachment trauma, like betrayals and things like that in relationship, I would get close to them and I'd be like, they're the best. And I'm so excited. Like they were an incredible human an incredible woman. But then as soon as we had intimacy or they told me they liked me, I'd be like, okay, peace. And Yeah,
1: it's overwhelming.
0: Oh, man, it was too overwhelming. <laughs> I, I hadn't processed the pain that lived with that closeness, you know?
1: Yeah. So how do you move past that?
0: You have to, I mean, the best, I would say, more, the quickest or most effective way. One is talk therapy can help coaching, talk therapy, because you could process what is what is past the closeness. What are we afraid is actually going to happen? Um, because I know we associate the closeness, oh, well, we're going to have more love and more connection, but that's not actually how the unconscious story goes. The unconscious story goes, yeah, we'll have that, but love and connection is actually associated with betrayal or withdrawal or abuse or trauma or lying or all abandonment. So you have, I think it helps to psychologically understand it, to intellectually understand it. I don't think you can do any of that work without doing nervous system work. You have to work with a somatic therapist. I had um, Nicole Loos on the podcast. I also had Sarah Baldwin. I actually have one coming out. She'd be great to interview for you. Sarah Baldwin is in L.A. too. She's a freaking genius in attachment uh, and the nervous system, I love and I. That. And essentially that's understanding how do I trust my own self when I get close to people? So anxious people have to learn how to self-regulate, like how to be with themselves and their own feelings. Because what they do is in order to treat their anxiety is they go to other, they connect with other, they send the text, they do the thing. They can't sit with themselves. Avoidant people can sit with themselves. They they actually have to learn how to co-regulate. So like you and I hanging out and trusting each other and yeah that takes a trusting person, a nervous system. That's why it's you work with someone on what is in that edge of closeness. It's but really think, beautiful work.
1: I think another really interesting thing as people who have either of those styles is that, for example, my type of attachment style, which is avoidant attachment style, um I end up being drawn. To other people with avoidant attachment style versus anxious attachment style and it happens to be because a lot of times we tend to date and this is really cool i read about it a long time ago and it was like blew my mind when i read it but a lot of times when we keep dating the same person over and over again it's because somehow in our childhood the reason i'm dating avoidant men is because in my childhood my dad didn't give me that love and i felt like i had to chase for that love that's how the story ended. So my mind now as an adult subconsciously is replaying the story as a child and trying to have a different ending. So now subconsciously as an adult, I'm still dating men similar to my father who are not giving me love. And I'm hoping that this time the story will end with a fairy tale, but it doesn't because there's, you know, unless they're going to be, unless we have 30 years together, to finally work through the (laughs) issue. To figure that
0: shit out. Yeah.
1: Like I did with my father, it's not going to happen. So I think, and for some reason it feels, it sucks. Like as much as no matter how much I've worked on myself, when I really sit and think about it, for me, sometimes it feels hard work in anything I do feels more rewarding, even love. And I know now love is not supposed to always be hard, especially not in the beginning. So you have to, sometimes you forget that. So so sometimes I meet someone and it feels hard and I'm so drawn to it because I think it means, oh, that's my twin flame. But no, it's because it feels familiar because <laughs> I've been there. I am yeah. familiar because I grew up with no love. Like no wonder mm. I feel at home. But it's not the home I want for myself. Like I don't – my mom always tells me like, do you want to chase this person for the rest of your life? Like that's, how, that's, who, that's, who, that's, who, that's what you want for your life? And I'm like, no, I want someone to love me. And she's like, then stop dating the same person over and over again. I know.
0: Yeah. That's it. Hey, it's like recreating the same scenario to in- either invite you to choose differently or to show up differently, but actually both of them are required. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like by choosing differently, you have to show up differently. Like they're- Yes.
1: But you always think, yes, it doesn't work out for everyone else, but I'm, I'm special. Like I could choose this person. <laughs> like, I'll
0: get them to put- change. I'll be yeah. enough that they'll finally change.
1: Yeah, like,
0: And the universe exactly. says, nope, no, you won't. No, you won't.
1: That's so hard to hear. That's so hard to even feel it. I hate that.
0: Well, the beautiful truth of that is that what you think you're chasing, which is for them to change is not true. That's the projection. You're just chasing yourself to change. Yes. Right. Because what they require in you is for you to be different, which is love is not found there. It's found here. It's found within. And, As long as you date trying to chase something, not only do you have to be incomplete, but you also have to give your your the other person will always hold what you're seeking. As opposed to if you give it to yourself, then you date from this whole place. You date from this space where you're like, I don't need you to complete me. I'm complete. And like, hey, and that makes us way more discerning because all of a sudden we're like, is this person a good fit for me? Ah, I don't know, actually, maybe they're not because yeah. they have the same feeling I get from my dad or my mom or whatever I'm getting here.
1: Yeah, I think, but I think as long as you realize when things feel familiar, it doesn't mean that it's love. It just means it could be familiar from your trauma. Yeah. And I think it does because like the last person I was dating, it he, he felt so familiar with this person, but, and, and he, he, I, he was so, I could tell he didn't feel lovable by himself, which I guess, obviously already some of a red flag, like he should work on it. But instead I was like, he has so many beautiful, I'm overly romanticized everything. I'm like, oh, he has so many beautiful parts I would love to love. And I forgot like, wait, we are mirrors of the people we date. So the things about him that I wanted to love so bad were actually things about myself that I didn't love. So it was Beautiful. interesting for me when I sat back and thought about it, like, I'm so desperate to love this about this person, but I'm not willing to love those dark, place, those dark things about myself. So maybe instead of chasing this person, giving him love he doesn't deserve because he needs to do the work on himself, then I should first love that, those things about myself. Because we don't realize that if I sit there and I tell him, I love you, or mm. you're, 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 you're doing such a good job in this and this, if the other person doesn't believe it themselves it doesn't mean anything when you tell them you love them. I don't love myself. I don't believe you when you tell me you love me because I don't know right. what that is. If, if I don't believe right now that I'm doing a good job at work and you tell me I'm such a hard worker, I don't believe you because I don't believe in myself.
0: Yeah, true. Do you, yeah. how, how does that look differently? Because what you're speaking to is, okay, I'm in this dating relational experience. I have this awareness about my pattern. I recognize, for example, what you're saying. I chase this familiarity like my dad, okay, how the fuck do I change that? How do I stop that? Like, what does that look like in real time for you? Because you're in the dating world. You're you're in this, you have a high level of awareness about your attachment styles, your behaviors, familiarity. Have you ever dated someone who's different?
1: Uh, no. <laughs>
0: like who's it's like- It's hard.
1: Oh, it's more like I'm, what I care happened about now. about you.
0: I'm dependable. Like is reliable-
1: People who like me too much is hard for me to deal with.
0: Right. Ah, there we go. There it I is. I feel
1: suffocated.
0: Yeah, there we go.
1: It's hard. But the thing is, it's funny because you're like, well, you're so self-aware. It should be easier for you. No. Now, when it happens, I meet someone. I'm like, oh, I'm obsessed. And the person looks at me and they're like, I'm obsessed. And I go, oh, fuck. You're this like, is bye.
0: Shit. What are you
1: doing? No. Instead, yeah. I'm like, now I'm self-aware. So I know it's not going to work out. But I'm still like, I can't. Because it's the back of my head, I'm like, "But maybe, maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> Maybe this will be different."
0: Well, see, this is the somatic part, the body, the nervous system, that doesn't know how to be in closeness and not lose oneself. Like that idea, I'm suffocated. That's such an important word, because it says, when like just finish this sentence, if you don't mind, do you mind me asking these questions?: Go ahead. That's why I love your podcast and who you are. Because you're just like, let's fucking go all out all the time. You're just such an open book. Um, <laughs> yeah. When people get close to me, they.
1: When people get close to me, they make me feel suffocated.
0: When people get close to me, I.
1: When people get close to me, I retreat.
0: And what I'm afraid of when I get suffocated is.
1: <sighs> that. Eventually they'll use something I told them against me, or they'll get bored of me and then they'll leave. And then I accidentally got attached f- to them for no reason. Mm. So I rather just like take a step back.
0: Yeah, like I and don't trust. It's
1: not even my f- my fear of freedom. Well, no, I do don't like. I don't I don't like when someone tells me what to do. So when I do feel suffocated, I fear. <laughs> freedom that they're taking away my freedom. But it's this fear of when you get close to people, then they end up, I don't wanna I have a hard time, A, when someone uses I open up to someone finally, and then two weeks later, years whenever later, suddenly they're like, Well you once said this and this. I'm like, damn, I wish why did I even trust you? Why did you have yeah, to it's, say that? Or cancel culture it's
0: that, too. That's
1: that's <laughs> Yeah, but I don't mean that. Or it's that fear of yeah. I get scared that I get close to someone, I finally actually get attached to them, and now they could leave me at any moment, and then I'm the idiot that got attached. But I also know then, you know, then you'll never live. You have to, like, because in the end of the day, you're, if you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt regardless. It's kind of like my mom used to tell me about my ex. What's the point for you to get so much anxiety if he's going to cheat on you? If he's going to cheat on you, he's going to cheat on you. And once he cheats on you, then you can figure out what to do about it. But to like make yourself sick over it, like constantly thinking, is he cheating on me, stalking him? Like for what? He's going to do it regardless if he will, if he wants to.
0: Well, especially because a lot of those behaviors perpetuate the other behavior. Right. We don't trust someone. We chase them. We don't get me wrong. They're very untrustworthy people that we just should not be in relationship with. You know that what I hear you saying in all of that is um, you really value liberation for yourself, like freedom to be yourself, which is really important. That's such a beautiful thing to just claim. And and that when you get close to people, they have betrayed you by using what you shared in closeness against you.
1: Yeah, not even to other people. It's like one. Like here's a silly example. One of my friends, I I uh, I was having a bad day, and I don't really like to tell my friends anything. And I told her that I'm feeling a little. I was feeling depressed. Feeling depressed, not depressed. I was feeling depressed. Big difference. I wasn't going through depression at that moment, and it was a bad day. But then two weeks later, when we got in disagreement, she started holding it against me and being like, "Well, you're depressed. So you don't know what you're talking about." And I'm like, "I'm not depressed. Why do you keep saying that?" I'm like, "I'm in a good place." And she's like, "No, trust me, you're depressed." And I'm just like, "Girl, like, why are we why are we doing this?" So yeah, like the that, other.
0: The other overused term of gaslighting that actually is, <laughs> that actually is because it's oh. deny it's denying you your experience. It's saying exactly. that I know better about you than you know about you, which means that you have to adopt the other person's reality in order to be in relationship with them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like on yeah. some level that you're like, oh, well, if they say I'm depressed, then I must be, you know, which of course you have enough discernment to be like, no, I'm not. It's interesting too because it's like you don't, there's a lack of trust in telling people things. Right? You it's said not just I don't that. share a lot. Yeah. Tell me more about it.
1: With friends, I do have, I do have a, for whatever reason, I don't know if I come off like a fuckboy with my friendships, but with friends, I do tend to draw in very dependent friends while I'm the opposite where I need space. So a lot of times with friends, when we have a disagreement, it's because. I'm not answering my phone enough or they need a lot more love than me, than I can give them. And I think that's, then it becomes a worry for me as well. It's then I get scared to get close to people because it is one of my biggest fears deep down. It's not just the loss of freedom. It's about the fact that I'm going to let someone down. And like, I don't want to let, some, I always rather be the one to get hurt than the feeling of hurting someone else. So I've always said, I'd rather be, um, i rather be the bad guy than the victim in any situation in life. So I I do have a big fear that I get close to someone, I can't give them the love they need or I don't know how to do that love because, you know, I'm still figuring it out. And then what if it makes me feel like there's something wrong with me and I don't know how to deal with that stuff. And as much as I want love, I sometimes get overwhelmed with either I'm about to give too much love because I don't know how to do it properly or I'm not going to give it enough and then I let this person down.
0: Yeah, that I'm going to disappoint them that I'm going to hurt them. And then I might get hurt too. Like it's such a, it's like, how do you live between that balance, right? Because really like to, well, you trust that other people are responsible for their feelings and their experience and you are responsible for yours. That's hard though, because the kid in us doesn't want to let people down. And then we hide our truth. We hide our voice. We might actually just avoid connection just to never actually have to experience letting someone down or not being enough. As opposed to, you know, just living in the space of not me. Like imagine if we just accepted I'm I'm not enough for, for whatever mm. totally unrealistic expectation we have about ourselves or how we might. Like if we oriented or operated in relationships as kids where nothing was ever enough, like that yeah. is a, a disappointment we never want to touch again.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, even when I watched the TikToks about love bombing, then that freaked me out. I'm like, oh, my God, I do that without realizing. And I never met. And then and then that freaked me out so much. I completely took a step back because I was like, now I don't even know how to talk to people because the last thing I want to do is make someone because I start questioning myself. <laughs> like, do I then mm. like this person? I'm love bombing them. I don't know. So I think in the end of the day, this is something really awesome that my mom told me. Uh, after the last guy, night your didn't mom work needs out. a
0: tiktok or a podcast
1: i know i know she's so wise but she said she said um if you keep pretending to be someone else then you're always gonna be upset when when no one knows who you are right. and i agree because i think That's i'm a constantly piece of advice right because if i'm constantly holding myself back or acting like i'm not vulnerable at all and i'm so strong all the time then Of course, if I keep pretending that I'm so strong all the time, then I can't be upset when no one's checking in when they haven't heard from me for a couple of days. Because I always tell everyone that everything's okay. Or if I keep pretending I'm okay with being single, if I keep pretending I'm okay with being alone, then I shouldn't be surprised when no one's at my door trying to go out with me. And it's kind of like the thing of, like, eventually you just have to be honest with yourself. Like, where do you stand? And you have to be okay that you're not perfect. And I have a need to always be perfect. That's just have always been. And I'm not perfect. So it's constant struggle struggle with myself that I will never can never achieve this goal that I have that's unrealistic. And she said, I love you when you're crying, when you're showing your emotions, when you're sad. I love you when you you admit that something makes you unhappy. Like, I love you so much more. And she's like, sometimes I wish you could be like that around your partners, because sometimes the people I date, they they have a hard time living up to my expectations or living up to the expectations they think I have because of how I come off that everything has to be perfect and that I don't ever get hurt and I'm never upset. So I think the best advice I can give literally to myself right now is I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm having a therapy session in my brain processing all my (laughs) emotions. I love it. So I would say, you know, I think I'm loving myself more and allowing myself to be myself is how I'm going to attract the right person in my life. That's going to also like me for who I am instead of me pretending to be someone.
0: One, then you're off the hook because you don't have to keep up any act. You just get to be yourself. You don't have to, because every time you got to process and think about how you need to appear or be, you're actually not present because you have to go through a filter that puts you in the past. Does that make sense? Like you're living in the future, so you never get to be in the now and you never get to just be. And like, I can at least reflect my experience of you, which is that I connect with all the things that, are, that are your imp- what you might call your imperfections or your vulnerabilities like am i experience of the people who follow you who love you and your work and just your voice it's all people who love that you just live out loud and i think that's especially evident even in this podcast even in this conversation that you yeah. you by humanizing yourself you allow and give permission to other people to humanize themselves and you know i have a lot of gratitude for that with you, especially because you do it on such a large platform. I mean,
1: thank you. Vice versa. Ditto. Ditto. (laughs) Ditto to you as well. Um, Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, It is hard, especially because I grew up so opposite of it. So it became my thing to really want to learn and understand it better. And I'm still learning, but it, it is interesting because it's very hard for me to be vulnerable and open as I just mentioned I don't talk to my friends about my feelings so then it's interesting how then I go on my podcast or on social media and I'm open about certain things or I show my emotions but it's hard I mean even throughout this conversation I feel everything I'm saying and I feel everything you're saying and I'm In the moment with our words. So Mm -hmm. throughout this whole hour of talking, if you could tell sometimes my eyes would get watery because I was really feeling what we were discussing. But then I have to hold myself back and I have this trick since I was a child where I jab my nails into my palm or on Mm. my feet like I stab in order to feel physical pain. So I won't cry. And it's still a habit that even now as an adult, I know I'm supposed to allow myself to feel emotions because that's how you heal. And instead it's, it's a knee reaction where I will jab my nails into my palm or my foot in order to preve- feel the physical pain to prevent myself from showing any type of emotional pain. Wow. so Pretty crazy.
0: What a beautiful yeah. level of awareness, though, to be able to just acknowledge that one of the ways that you coped with feeling emotional pain and, you know, wearing a brave face uh, was to do this. And, and sometimes to catch yourself doing it as an adult, you know, like I, I remember talking to Sarah and her saying I was telling her just about when I was a kid and she was saying, isn't it so beautiful, the brilliance of the human body and the human mind? To, know, to create these strategies, to be able to exist in relationship that aren't even healthy, but to be able to do it and to survive in them. And she said like the real work is to differentiate when they're supportive as adults, because there are things we do that are supportive that we learn. But there's these beautiful coping strategies that we hate, that we think are toxic, that we think are imperfect, but they're so beautiful because we needed every single one of them to be here, to be able to regulate when we were a kid, to be able to handle parents who weren't reliable, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just, uh, yeah, I have so much compassion for where they come from. Like, I mean, for certain, one of my coping strategies was to eat and to eat sugar. I love gummy bears. Gummy, Anyone Yum. listening knows I love gummy bears. <laughs> but, you know, I realized like the other day I was thinking, I was meditating and thinking like, I've I've definitely re- I regulate pretty much everything I consume now. I don't drink anymore. I'm um I don't drink caffeine unless it's by choice now. I used to be totally addicted to coffee cuz I mean coffee let's be honest. Um but what was interesting <laughs> about sugar is I was just asking myself, do I need to take away sugar so I can find what's below it? And immediately the answer was yeah. <laughs> it was like, "Oh fuck." So You know, that's so like any sort of processed sugar. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Because I would then dance in the gray of of health being like, I'll just eat dry mango. Well, dry mango is like a straight espresso shot of fucking sugar. It's just- really, Oh my God, it's so much sugar, but it's like nature's candy, you know? Right. Um, So that's how I would eat it and justify it. But it still was something that was- helping me regulate. Like when I was emotionally distressed or didn't feel like I fit in as a kid or whatever it was, I would eat or drink chocolate milk or do something like that to soothe my feelings. I would get this high from the sugar. And I noticed that I still do that. Like I still do that. And I want to know what's below it. I want to, I want to get and excavate the space below much like what's in the tier that goes beyond the place where you inflict yourself pain. Like, what is that release? What's there? It's such a, You know, I remember having this spiritual teacher who just said, like, get sober from everything that pulls you away from who you are.
1: Wow. I love that.
0: It's so beautiful because it's just like, what do you, I always thought, like, what would I find in silence? I was afraid of going into silence. And I remember just, I would just find more of me. Like, why am I afraid of finding more of me?
1: You know, what's interesting is that everyone has their addictions and I've never been, I never care for alcohol. I don't do drugs. And I think my addiction has always been people. I get addicted Mm. to people, but not people who love me, people Mm. who don't. And it's chasing them. And I, and I think if I got further away from it, I would realize, I think it's because deep down, I probably wasn't, I'm not, not at the place where I'm even ready to allow someone to love me and vice versa. So it's familiar and it's easier to fall for someone, the idea of someone, because I'm never actually around and create a whole story without actually having to go through the emotions and to go through getting to know each other. So it's always like, oh, he's far away. But if if he was here, oh, how we would have worked <laughs> out. Oh, how we would be together, yeah. you know? And because as a child, my coping mechanism was creating, um, I was always playing I'm playing video games a lot and I was always playing with my sister fairy tales. We had like this one game we played for eight to ten years together as children, where it was um con- I was like in high school, it was like a whole thing. So it was constantly my escape is imagining things. Mm, and I'm still fantasizing, like, yeah. Yeah. So as you talk about the sugar, I realize that's me. When I'm having a bad day or whatever, I just close my eyes and I just think of like, what if? And I just like imagine not being here. And that's kind of when also depression hits, which I've had in the past, is uh, like the dreams get better than your reality. Because when you close your eyes and you're dreaming, it's just, this is nice. And I like it. And eventually you have to be like, but maybe it's time to deal with the reality. Because reality can be more beautiful than your dreams and then your imagination if you just give it a chance, you know? Mm,
0: What a beautiful paradox too, to know like, again, how wonderful it is that you had the resource to be able to go to this place that wasn't here so that you didn't have to feel what was here and what you said about the r- restraining from the pursuit and then waiting in the space i think of the same about sugar it's like what actually lives in the feeling i'm numbing or treating or distracting myself from is actually the way out you know i think it's rumi who says the way the way out is through or the oh the 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 cure to the pain is in the pain and yeah yeah. And I think of what you're saying and like this invitation that we all delay the acceptance of when it's like, it's right there. It, it, I think it's Rumi has that same quote that like, why do you stay in the prison when the door's right there? And it's like, yeah, you know,
1: But I think it's so cool how right now we're sitting here and we're discussing both of our inner childs. And for me, I just want to cry from it. It, it, It's so touching and so beautiful. And that's a beautiful part. Like right now I'm thinking of every listener listening to this and I'm thinking of their beautiful inner child. And I can feel all their emotions. And that's what sometimes makes me so sad. It's There's so much hate in the world now, especially on social media, on the internet. And people shouting at one another or spewing hate at someone else When in reality, one thing every person in this world wants is to feel like they're heard, to be loved. and all that and yet here we are we want to heal our inner child we want someone to love our inner child i know every single person in this world no matter what kind of growing up they had they have some type of like thing with their inner child where they at one point didn't feel loved and that inner child is still sitting there saying like someone please love me please notice me and Mm -hmm. it's like all these people we have the same inner child and yet we want others to accept us and yet we few hate and don't accept others it's kind of wild to me Like, so when I have this conversation with you, it kind of reminds me like, oh my God, we all have this like beautiful inner child that just needs to be loved. It's so sweet. Like I want to hug everyone's inner child. (laughs) I want to hug everyone's little kids. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do know what you mean. Like when you get to know the part of yourself that needs that and just acknowledge it, then all of a sudden you want to just go to all these people who are enraged. Like,
1: I think what you really need
0: is to just- Maybe pause and accept that you're rejecting part of yourself right now, you know, or whatever it might be.
1: Well, people that have the most anger inside the show that the try to get love by the the meanest ways, but the most elandish ways is those are the people that actually need love the most. They may not even realize yeah. it. But when I'm when when I'm hurt and I lash out, anger is not a real emotion. People sometimes forget that anger comes from other emotions, which usually pain, sadness, and you're angry. That's why you're angry. So when I'm lashing out and I t- I'm telling you, leave, never speak to me again. When I'm really, my inside, when I'm really saying, please don't leave, please fight for me. Like, this is really hurting me. Can you not see how hurt I am? And it's, as human beings, we're not perfect. No matter also how self-aware we are, no matter how much work we're going to do on ourselves, we're still going to have those moments where we forget and we just, we feel hurt and we don't know how to deal with it. And we shut down and we say, leave, or we say something mean. And then the other person's going to walk out because they're going to be hurt and they're not going to realize like, this is actually when this person needs me the most. You know, it's kind of sad.
0: Yeah, it is that we... Uh, I think I remember hearing Esther Perel say that behind every criticism is actually a desired behavior. Like every time we say you never, what we're really saying is what I really need from you. And, you know, even when we yell at people, you know, what you're expressing about anger and what we truly want to say, we just don't maybe have the resources or the way. And the thing about anger that is is disruptive i guess in a lot of ways is that it because anger of course i i personally believe anger can be very powerful if it's clean like if it's about creating a boundary if it's about rescuing ourselves it serves us in a lot of ways but in the way where it creates significance like if i observed people get angry and that's how people paid attention which what you're saying about the internet is very true. It's like people are just enraged because they want to be heard because they want to be validated because they don't want to be afraid. They don't want to be afraid of war. They don't want to be afraid of we ultimately, they don't want to die. They're afraid of dying. And that's like the whole thing about COVID and vaccines and all that. Actually, I'll re say that. And that's the thing about the pandemic and the V because you can't even say these words anymore. But like that's it, is like we're all just afraid. And what a beautiful thing to acknowledge so that we can actually have discourse.
1: Well, and I read something the other day, which was really cool when it comes about anger and resentment. We think resentment comes from anger. So when I'm on the internet and I say, Why aren't you doing this when I'm doing this? You should, you should, you should care. You should care more, blah, blah. And we you think, oh, it's because I'm angry. No. The real emotion that's coming from it, like I said before, anger is not a real emotion. It's come kind of this anger, like I said, can come from pain, sadness. It can also come from envy. So yeah, that's one true. thing we don't realize. So when I'm sitting, I'm like, well, why are you doing this when I'm doing it? I'm envious. If I took a step back, I would realize, why, how are you able to be so stress-free? How are you able to be so happy when I'm so miserable? I'm envious of you. hmm Like I wish I wasn't this way. That's really what's happening. So I'm not angry at you is I'm holding a knife and I'm stabbing myself because I'm actually Mm. angry at myself that I'm unable to experience life the way you are. I'm angry. I'm working. I'm working nonstop and weekends. How come you're not? That means I'm envious that you take the weekend off because and you're okay with it because you chose to not stress over it. I'm jealous of you. That's what it is. So I don't need you to change it. I just need to finally allow myself to enjoy my life.
0: Mm, To give myself permission.
1: Yes. Of whatever it it is that I'm envious of someone else. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so true that we are often looking for, to let ourselves off the hook, to do something differently, to choose something differently. Like I, you used to be an accountant. I used to be a pharmaceutical rep. You know, like I look back and I think, wow, like I didn't do my undergrad in finance because I love finance. I did it because I was taught that if you got a job in areas like finance, you could make good money and then you could be a desired partner. Oh, whoa, wait. Well, if I wasn't trying to pursue being desired, what might I have actually done? You know, like with my heart and my soul and my drive and my curiosity. You know, in my undergraduate degree, I took um, psych of child development. Wow, that was one of my favorite classes what the fuck why didn't that inform what my future should actually look like which it has now and I you know I look back and it's all perfect it all occurred exactly how it needed to and I just think like what would it be like if we encouraged people to pursue work and life from that perspective you know very
1: different yeah but also we have to be realistic and this is like I don't even know if it should be part of the podcast but the truth is um not everyone's programmed to know what they want with their life. Some people will go the rest of their life not knowing what their passion is or what their hobby is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some people will go the rest of their life working a nine-to-five because they're better as employees than being an employer. That's totally. okay. My father is one of the smartest men I ever met in my life. He, if he grew up in America, he would go to MIT. My father won math competitions in Russia. We're all good so, at math in Russia.
0: I feel like everyone's good at math in Russia. Yeah.
1: Exactly. My father's a bio-science engineer, but he's much better as an employee and he will be a good employee for the rest of his life than it would be an employer. I love freedom. I don't like people telling me what to do. I eventually found a job where I can be my own mm-hmm. boss. And I'm also okay with working on weekends. I'm also okay with working at nights. I'm also okay with Same doing things thing. myself. So then it's easier for me to be an employer. So we can also sit there and tell... I just think people are sometimes unrealistic in the way where they think just like I'm realistic in a way that I'll never be a billionaire. I mean, I can tell myself I will be and sure, maybe I will be, I can manifest it, but I don't think so. Unless I marry a billionaire, then well, I'm putting myself (laughs) down. But like, I don't know. I'm just saying like, you just have to kind of be sometimes realistic with yourself. It's, It's okay if you don't know what your passion is. People go their whole life without it. And it's okay if you so don't own a business because you don't know how to do that. That's okay. It's not, it's not your path. Everyone has different paths in life. We should also accept that. Not everyone's meant to be great. Not everyone's meant to be a leader. There, it has to be just like there's leaders. It has to be followers. And I feel like such an asshole that I'm saying it, was it's the truth.
0: I don't – yeah. I think there's – I had a friend once who said to me, Like, I just don't want to change the world and change relationships like you do. I just want to go to my job and that job pay for my free time and my travel and my and being in nature. And I'm like, I totally get it. That makes total sense. It's just like, not everybody wants a good relationship. Not everybody does. Not everybody, I think on a deep unconscious level they do, but not everybody actually wants to learn about themselves. Not everybody wants an expansive, joyous life. Some people are just fine- in their numbing cycles. And I don't mean that from a judgmental perspective. I just mean like, I was totally fine till I wasn't being a pharmaceutical rep and going to the bar. And like, I I was fine with that. I do think on a deep unconscious level, I was numbing myself from actually the feelings I truly had when that's a whole other story. But I wonder if, because I agree with everything you're saying, and that is, us giving everybody the permission to where they are in their own story, including ourselves. And I wonder if we encourage curiosity from the beginning, because so much of religion and part of faith is not questioning. Like part of faith is don't question. Oh, yeah. that, right. And that trains children of faith and no offense to faith, but just in general, it does to not ask questions or when someone says that's just how it is that 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 it doesn't encourage curiosity. And I just wonder, like, if we were encouraged to say, why do we work five days a week? Why do we gen why nine to five? Like my friend Sarah was just saying this. Why one hour for lunch and two 15 minute breaks? Like who came up with all of this? And why do we all keep agreeing to it? And and again, nothing wrong with it, but I just think like it almost feels I don't even, it doesn't feel, it appears that there's just a lot of programming. And we just, and when you wake up from the program, the matrix, you're all of a sudden like, holy shit, life and love and everything has so much more available to it. If I step out of this toxic pattern, if I just, you don't have to pursue your passion. You could just might ask the question, is there more to this?
1: You know what I mean? You know, I completely agree with you, but it's so yeah. funny because I come from public accounting and there's <laughs> yeah, so much yeah. structure in public accounting. My brain right away, because I have the right side of my brain and luckily the left side of my brain. So I use both When people don't understand what that means. We all have both sides of a brain, but the right side of your brain is analytical. The left side of your brain is creative. So that's yeah. what I mean. So my brain goes to, but order is good. We need <laughs> order. And it I'm is. Li- it's it important. is good. I need order in my life. Cause I'm so chaotic. I am the most disorganized, organized person I know, but I need order <laughs> or like I live on my calendar that I just went to a doctor's appointment two days ago. Cause I just go by whatever's on my calendar. Cause I'm so, I don't have time to answer texts, blah, blah. I, I forgot that I, we rescheduled the doctor's appointment, but I never deleted it in my calendar. So I showed up <laughs>
0: So like, really <laughs> I'm different. I'm similar to you. I get really um afraid of constraint in terms of creativity and my calendar and Kai reframed it to me. Again, now we know who leads our relationship. But she <laughs> said to me, uh liberation through limitation is a thing. And I was like, Okay. So when there is actual structure, then there's actually there is liberation through structure too. And it makes me think a lot of like, I have so much fear of structure because I have fear of my self-expression being limited. I have fear of not being allowed to ask why because I grew up in Catholicism. I went to Catholic school. I worked in corporate. And when I would ask why, people would be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, just keep doing it. Why are you asking? And I'm like, that's not a world I want to live in. So I get really, I get, I get afraid. Thinking that a constraint will stop me from self-expressing, um, but not realizing I actually need constraint sometimes to be able to free my creativity, if that makes but sense.
1: But also, we just had that conversation about the fact that not everyone's meant to be great. Not everyone's meant to make a change. Yeah. So in a way, that's kind of why there needs to be order because not everyone wants to be free thinkers. And as much as people want, so think true. they want to be free thinkers… The pandemic, in some ways, on both sides, proved that maybe people don't—they don't realize how much sometimes they like being a part of a pact versus being just their own opinion. So, I—I I really true. don't know the right answer to that. I—I I mean, just in let the end, end of the day, it's everybody. all opinions.
0: Yeah, so true. It's right? my right. opinion
1: versus your opinion versus that person's opinion, and then I think we should all just live our lives the way we want to, not tell each other how to live their life. But I'm just saying this because I have a, a fear of constraint like anyone telling you what to do so <laughs> we're like, in the no.
0: constraint recovery group we just didn't know we're both like hey i'm I'm mark hey
1: <laughs> yeah like yeah I, I, anyone telling me what to do i'm like no
0: you know what like i have incredible people that work with me who love structure so they're the greatest compliment to me ever because they're like hey chaos let's organize this a little bit and i'm like okay let's try to do that and but they're like obsessed. I remember the first person I ever hired, my coach told me to write a list of everything I hated doing and then create a job description. (laughs) And I was like, wow, people like that? Like, why would, oh God, I couldn't imagine like someone would take these things like calendars and, or, oh, I was like, ah, this is a job, but someone to someone
1: that's like their favorite thing in the world. No, it's per, uh, my current, uh, my new podcast editor, they have a structure with everything in the Dropbox because I used to just send things on WeTransfer just like in the text and he's like, put in the Dropbox. And I was I like, yeah. that's really annoying. But then I'm like, <laughs> no, this is going to help me. So now we have this one location where it's all in there and it's so organized, like episode so by episode. It's up. too easy. Yeah, and now it's like I will always know because in the past, I'll want to re- take back a file. I send someone a file, I delete it. And then the WeTransfer deletes it. Um, this um, It's some site that you can use to send files. So after a month or two, it's gone. So then sometimes I will lose a file because of that because I'm so unorganized and I don't know where I saved it. But now I have a Dropbox. So either. I'm thankful for people that are opposites of me. That's my favorite thing about people. I, I-
0: totally agree. That shows good leadership too. Um, okay. I'm curious to close Violetta, Violetta. I'm curious, uh, what would be your most significant, beautiful piece of advice that you would have for everybody?
1: I mean, I feel like I've given no so much like, You've given so much.
0: What's the, what's the oh, tastiest my... morsel? What do you hope for everybody other than hugging their inner child?
1: I mean, I think... That was that is one of my favorite advice when it comes to the dating about the inner child. I uh, I think I think my favorite piece of advice would just literally be um well my, oh well shit. I don't mom. know. I you mean,
0: got more mom language? You got more mom Yeah. But What's I, your I think, advice? I want your advice.
1: I think my biggest advice would Oh, I have one. Okay, I can't. Okay, that.
0: let's do it. Let's do it.
1: I think My biggest advice would tell people to stop caring so much what everyone else thinks and what everyone else is doing, because you'll then go your whole life caring what everyone else thinks about you until one day you'll finally realize that no one was ever thinking about you. They were thinking about themselves.
0: Fucking mic drop on that one. That's very (laughs) true.
1: So I'm glad that
0: you... Sorry, go on.
1: No, you go on. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) You go on. Um, I'm glad that you marinated in that to deliver that beautiful piece. Uh yeah. Okay. Thank you for being here. I've had a lot of fun. I had so much fun. So much fun. And you're so fun to communicate or just dialogue with. Where do people find more of you?
1: Um, well, people can find yeah. either my meme account, Daddy Issues underscore, or Benson Benson's my personal Instagram. They can DM me if they have any questions and then my podcast Almost adulting on Instagram and then every, so every platform streaming platform and soon also on Spotify.
0: Woo. woo. All right. Sweet. Thank you so
1: much. Check out the episode with him that's out right now on my podcast, Almost Adulting, all about the mental health behind relationships and breakups that we do not talk about enough, which, you know, it's like when you go through a breakup, people just tell you, we'll get over it and versus being like, no, I may need to take longer than other people. So I love all that stuff. So get
0: into it, out. it is what we yeah. say.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. I'm so happy we did. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast. So you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.